Welcome back to Cyber Prophets, the place where we prophesize the future of technology, a place where this is a podcast for you and only for you. This time we're going to focus on a new area. Well, more precise, video games. And I know that everyone loves video games. But what do you imagine to meet a woman working in the video game sector? And most precisely, working in Nintendo, one of those companies that everybody would love to work there. But hey, I'm not alone. Edgar is with me as a co-host. Hello, everyone. Yes, as Federico mentioned, today we're going to talk about every developer's dream to work in the video game industry. That's amazing. And we're going to hear about that from a very special guest. Can you tell us more about our guest, Federico? Cristina is, let's say, video games developer. She started as a software developer, but nowadays she lives in Seattle. She's originally from Mexico, and she has a master's degree in computer science. But as I said before, the most important, she's a video games developer. What everyone really would like to do. Perhaps she could tell us how she got started and how she built this relationship with the video game sector, because this is something amazing. Hi, Savvy Prophets. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. So, Christina, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how did you get into the video game sector? How did you get attracted to this area to become a, let's say, a video game developer? Um, you know, ever since I was a little kid, like, I got a Game Boy Color for one Christmas, and yeah. that was my first video game console. And just, like, watching the little drawings on the screen move, how the buttons react when you press them, I was always so intrigued about how that worked, how it functioned. So I was always just curious and trying to learn more about it. That's how I got into computer science and learning how to programming, learning how to be an engineer. But I always had this knack that I just always really wanted to do video game development. And I remember uh, when I was younger, there was a, a Nintendo magazine, you know, and you would get all these updates about news and video games and what was coming out and like video game guides. And there was an ad called the Nintendo University. Mm. Uh, and it would talk about this video game school in the United States called DigiPen Institute of Technology and how uh, they collaborated with Nintendo and did all these amazing things. And I always had that in my mind um, yes. that I was, I wanted to do something like that. So Eventually, you know, I got my degree in computer science. I worked in development and I always had this thought that like, oh, like this is really what I want to do. So I put in the effort towards it. I applied to school. I got lucky to be accepted. Um, wow. And this is a school that focuses on video game development. So it teaches you about how to do uh, teamwork and the kind of skills you need to work into video games. Uh, it also puts you into network with a lot of video game companies in the area. So I was very lucky uh, that Nintendo reached out to me. Um, and that's kind of how the story goes. Wow, that's that's incredible, Christina. But may I ask you like about this Nintendo University? What were the requirements to to enter? Did they ask you to already have like many years of experience or already a degree or even a master's in computer science? Or... No, no, no. Um, it's just a school like any school, pretty much. Uh, if you want to do the master's program, you do need to have a bachelor's degree, but it yeah. doesn't even have to be a bachelor's degree in computer science. 
a few of my classmates came from biology backgrounds or even oh, wow. from medicine. Um, one of my other uh, classmates was used to be a teacher. Yeah. So anyone from any background can join in. There's also like a bachelor's program. So if you can, you can come in like straight out of high school. Uh, they do have a, an admission exam where they test your computer skills, make sure you're qualified enough to understand the coursework that you're going to get from the master's degree. But other than that, anyone can apply. And is this program still running nowadays? Or... Yes, it's still running. Oh, wow. Incredible. Perfect. They also have different specialties. So this is not only focused on video game programming. They also focus on animation, uh, modeling, uh, sound design, video game design, um, pretty much every specialty that goes into video game development, they have different programs for it in school. So probably we can put the link to this program in the description of the video so our audience can also get to know more about it. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like something unbelievable. The only people that I have met that partially develop video games, it was on their own. Uh, we can say that they were like the best video games ever in any in any in any sense. <laughs> but you said that you were playing video games with your Game Boy Color. What kind of let's say video game player are you? Are you a hardcore gamer or do you just prefer like develop video games and like video game player? Let's say. Ah. Uh you know, when I was younger, when I was like in college, I used to play a lot of video games because I had a lot more free time. Uh, <laughs> now that I'm a professional, I honestly spend so much time working that I don't have as much time to invest, oh. you know, like, you know, spend like five hours playing Fortnite and getting good at it. Um, yeah. But I do still enjoy playing video games uh, whenever I have time. Uh, I like playing like easy fun games like puzzle games or games that don't require too much investment um, or games that have a story behind. Uh, I still try to get my fix of video games whenever I can. You know, Christina, I, I always spoke about this topic with Federico and I told him that I also wanted to become a game developer at some point in my life. And he always told me, no, 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 I want become a game developer. Because if I know what's behind the video game, then I won't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true so, though, it's true. That was his standpoint, but, but I am very glad that you are still enjoying playing video games. It and... does change your perceptive, your perception of video games. Like when I'm playing the video game, I'll notice all these other things, like how the lightning is, how a character moves how uh, the AI reacts to you. I notice how the water moves, like all these tiny details, like I didn't just notice before. Now I'm like very focused on like, oh, it's cool, they did this or they did that. That's really interesting. I wonder how they did. Wow, so you have become more of a critic of the video games you play. Yes, also more grateful of grateful. the things studios do. Now that I understand the work that goes behind it, I'm just marveled about uh, what people put in the, into the games. It's amazing. Yeah, because it's a lot of work, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that you like easy and fun games or even story games, but like what genre is your favorite? You like 
shooting or do you like RPG or what is your favorite? I would say adventure games. Adventure. You know, like Legend of Zelda oh, my or the favorite. Uncharted series. Yes. Um, I do really like Mario games too. Like, you know, platformers are so much fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, games like Metroid, uh, you know, action Metroid. platformer. Um, I do have a special place in my heart for the Phoenix Wright series, which is more like a point and click story game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't limit myself to the kind of games I play. If it looks fun, I'm going to play it. And Christina, let's say, what was your first video game? Did you start it, let's say, when you were in the, still in the college doing something randomly? Because this is how my friends tried to do something. But did you start that or it was on, until you reached the school? When I was in college, there was, uh, back in the early days of Xbox, they released this framework to help people get into developing video games. It was called XNA. And it had some very easy libraries you could use and just to play around and make stuff. So I was using that to just kind of like learn how to move characters, learn how to render sprites. And it, there was a class in when I was in my undergrad called uh, Numerical Methods. So I did a small project for that class where it was literally just like a little Mega Man uh, drawing, yeah. just like jumping up and down and shooting and collecting power-ups. And that was pretty much it. So I wouldn't really call that a game, but that was like the first experience I had trying to develop something. Um, and then it wasn't until I was in the master's program where uh, each semester you have to turn in a game project. So the first one is meant to be like a solo project. Uh, and then you work with teammates and maybe with other disciplines to make like a bigger game project. So one of our big team projects, uh, we had this silly idea of you're like a hat that is trying to find uh, another hat that got lost from the hat store. So the hat just kind of like jumps on top of people's heads. And then whatever, it uses the power that the person is. For example, if you jump on top of a fireman, then you have like a water hose and you can extinguish fire. And then you can go through the fire, right? Or if you are like a builder, you jump on top of a builder's man and then you can like put blocks to like get on top and get higher jumps, etc. It was oh. called Hat Life. It was like a really silly game. Like it was all drawn by us, the engineers. So it's just like, little like paint scribbles to like draw the animations and stuff. It was so yeah. funny, but uh, it, it was like my first full experience, like making a video game from scratch. Cause we did all the code, all the rendering, um, everything was made by ourselves. So that was pretty great. And did you publish these, these video game? They are in the, the school's website. Um, ah, I see, yeah. Every video game that students develop, they're published on the website and they're like free to access. So I'll give you guys a link if you want to check it out. Yes, yes, please do so. Please do so. I, I think that everyone will be very glad to see those, let's say, early developments. But I'm curious because as Edgar said before, let's say we were cowards, let's say in a way that we move away from the video game developments. But in your case, how did you finally decided to 
go from the software development that people know where is, there is a lot of money behind to go to the video game sector. That Of course, there is money there, but I will say that most people will stay behind and go in there to chase yeah, that dream. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely a pay cut. Um, and the hours go up significantly. Uh, it is definitely a work of, you know, passion. Where, you know, before I was working on providing uh, services for companies like warehouse systems and point of sales, customer relationship management, that kind of software. And uh, while I did enjoy it, I need I felt like I just needed like a bigger challenge. Like I knew it in me that I wanted to do other kinds of development. So that's why I decided to still pursue my dream. Um, because I was in my mind, I was like, well, if it doesn't work out, I can always just go back to software development, you know, uh, there's always like that option. But I, you know, I just always had that feeling that like, no, this is really what I want to do. I always had the curiosity of like, even like trying more projects on my own and just learning more. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, I, I have to congratulate you for that, because as Federico said, like we we saw that it was difficult and we were like, nah, let's just do commercial apps. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're doing nowadays. And, and, and now, Kristen, I will, I will be interested in getting to know more about your experience. So I would like to know if you had someone that you look up to and who was your inspiration to get into this sector. So that's very interesting because you know, video games aren't made by one person. True. Like, the video games we love to play, they were made by a team, uh, like a group of people, and everyone collaborates so much into each game that it's just hard to mention, like, you know, one person. Like, even when you know, like, exactly. the big video game stars, you know, like Hideo Kojima, uh, he's not the only one who puts work into the Silent Hill series. There's a lot of people that collaborate to create these ideas. So it's hard to just name one person, but I will say that, for example, Nintendo has always been, you know, as a fan, uh, it's always been an inspiration for me, like the way they innovate in their video games, uh, the way they create new mechanics and try new ideas has always been yeah. fascinating for me. Also, you know, um, Team Schaefer, uh, who used to be part of like LucasArts and now is in Double Fine, uh, the kind of games he inspires to create, uh, it's always been really impressive to me and like really motivating, same thing, to try new things and looked into innovating in the stories. So you were more looking like at what the big names do, let's say like Nintendo, LucasArts, Ubisoft, among others. You were uh, well, yeah. No. I think when I was growing up, there wasn't so much of a indie video game industry. Yes. So, you know, especially living in Mexico, we could only get, like, so many games. So you would hear mostly from the big names, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, when I was a teenager, Halo was all the rage, and Halo had just come out, <laughs> yeah. and it was, like, great, you know. Like, when it came to shooters... Uh, it reached a bigger audience than the shooters before that would be like Counter-Strike, for example. Um, so yeah, I growing up, I just focused more on like the big video game franchises. I do remember, for example, um, 
when I was in college, this game came out called Portal. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. I played it. Yeah, I played it. It's like a great idea, right? Like when you have puzzles and physics and it's kind of a shooter. Yeah. That was also for me. That game, if you didn't know, it was developed by a student team at DigiPen Institute of Technology. So it came from a DigiPen game project. So that was also like a big inspiration for me to be like, okay, this is where I want to go and this is what I want to do. Wow. Did, did you play it as well? Oh, was... I loved it. I absolutely I loved, loved it. it. <laughs> that was a great one. And, yes. and I will take this opportunity to do a follow-up question. You mentioned the term indie video game development. So some people in our audience might not know what that means. Could you please explain us? So indie video game development would be people that work without not not being part of a big studio or not belonging to a publisher. Uh, it means they are usually like small teams or actually that's not true because there's like some big indie studios. Uh, it just means that they're not uh, in a tight relationship to a publisher. So they make their own game and then they pitch it uh, to a publisher to get to get it published and get it distributed. Um, Interesting. It can go from a range of, you know, an indie studio can be like one or two people, or it can be, you know, a hundred person studio. Um, yes. Well, it's something different. And coming back to the part that you said about the school, what skills did you learn there that are different from the ones that you use in software, in the common software development, let's say? Oh, it was very different. Um, Something that I learned that was really important was low-level programming. So doing things like memory management, handling buffers, um, cleaning up memory, all those things that I never it not even crossed my mind when I was like developing for apps because I didn't have to worry about it. In video games, it's very important, uh, the frame rate your game runs in. So learning how to optimize code, making sure uh, your code runs in the best possible way so that it, there's no delays when you're loading a screen every frame. Like that's what you're doing. So, you, you know, reaching the 60 frames per second. Um, yes. Great. Uh, it's very important. So you really need to care about how you handle those low-level programming calls. Um, also, for example, doing graphics programming, working with the GPU, the graphics card, how to actually tell every pixel in the screen to draw each color, learning how to do shader programming. It's very different. It's very different from like app development. There's a lot of things that I didn't even consider before. Uh, and they're like very specifically to video game development. Yes. Well, I will say that in the artificial intelligence sector, we'll be happy to have you because I, let's say not so long ago, I had a, a similar discussion with like the one you're saying because my friend was trying to persuade their, their teammates to move away from Python because Python was not efficient for their purposes <laughs> and trying to persuade them to move to C++, but they were completely against that idea because it was way harder to consider all those small details that you that you tell us, told us. 
It's a double-edged sword, definitely. I'm working with C++. It gives you a lot of control, but having that much control can be scary because you can also like really mess things up. So I can understand the resistance, like working with scripting languages like Python can be so much more user-friendly. But of course, when you're running like, you know, neural networks or like this heavy algorithms, if you can do them in an optimized way with C++, it would run so much faster and you could get so much better use of the memory and the processor. Yes. Just as Spider-Man, right? With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have to manage everything yourself. And, yeah. Uh, so you, you have mentioned that you were focusing on low-level programming, graphics programming, and memory management, handling the buffer, and the GPU. But could you tell, like, okay, I understand that this is, like, the bulk of topics that are different from the normal from the normal commercial application developer. However, can you like pinpoint what is the most important item that that let's say that this is the one that is the most critical in video game development? Mathematics. Mathematics in general. It's a lot of mathematics. Analytical oh. geometry, linear algebra calculus uh, for physics it's a lot of mathematics it's applied mathematics oh wow yes that sounds even scary (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know it's kind of fascinating to apply all those things you learn in elementary school that you thought like oh you know like algebra who who's going to use that in real life but actually programming it and see how a function draws a parabola, you know, or like when you like integrate uh, velocity and see the acceleration and see the character actually like move like that. It's fascinating to me um, to actually see the mathematics in action on the screen. And, but these are like the, well, it's something that I, I never even imagined that that that's something that you needed to handle on your own. I always thought that the Unity, let's say, engines or those things were doing that dirty job on, let's say, behind the screens. Uh, you know, there are pre-made engines that they have, like, a built-in physics engine, so you don't really need to do your own physics. However, a lot of, a lot of game companies, they use their own game engines, um, and you still need to know a lot of how to do matrix operations and how to read a rotation matrix, how to read a translation matrix, um, knowing how to do uh, analytical geometry like dot product, cost product. They're used so much in video game development. Knowing when you're using which function, it's part of the development and also knowing how to, to do things like Something I do a lot in my day-to-day is, you know, knowing that a character is facing something. So how do you know if the enemy is looking at you? You do a dot product comparison from where the enemy is looking at and your current position. So that's like the everyday example of how you use geometry in video games. Wow, I cannot imagine doing that. (laughs) It sounds very complex to me, to be honest. And you can't now, get used to 
Yeah, <laughs> I guess you need a lot of experience with that. But now, Christina, uh, I would like to ask you, okay, we, we have spoken a lot about the development side and that you're working with C++ and, and focusing on mathematics. But what is your relationship with the creative part of the of the video games? Like, let's say, how 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 are you related to the design, to the graphics, or to the other more creative parts of it? So, for the past few years, I've been focusing on doing gameplay development. Gameplay means that I focus on how the objects work how the character moves, what happens when a character grabs an object and can I toss it? Can I flip it? Do I gain a power-up? All those things, that's what I focus on. And a lot of my work is just creating new ideas. So I work with a different team of people. Like we have designers, we have sound uh, designers, we have animators. And say a designer or animator comes to me and they're like, hey, we want to do like this. We want to try this idea. And then I'll be like, all right. And I'll just get on my keyboard and like make a small prototype to like so we can test it out. And then I also like being so familiar with how the game works. It's up to me to say, oh, this doesn't feel quite right. I'm going to adjust this. I'm going to adjust that. Or, you know, like this idea could work so much better if I try this other thing. So I'm kind of like both involved with the design um, and the actual programming of it. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, designers do all the more work to like make sure the game is fun and like come up with all these ideas and stuff. But that's also part of my responsibility to make sure that the ideas I try out are fun and they feel good and they work. And do you have any concept similar, let's say, to full stack developers, or th that doesn't exist in that area, and everything is extremely specialized in your field. Well, if they're, if you're in a big team, then yes, you have the luxury to be specialized. When you have smaller teams, you're just a general programmer and you kind of do everything, you know? Like, wow. especially now when you have smaller indie video game teams, uh, a lot of people do the role of designer and developer and sound engineer. Uh, there's oh this game, uh, Undertale. Uh, it came out a few years ago. Really popular game. Fascinating. Check it out if you want. Uh, it was made by one person. One person. So, <laughs> it took a lot of work, but, you know, yeah, it made the, the music, the sprites, the programming impressive. Well, what is the name so, of the game again? Undertale. 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 We'll make sure to check it out. Yes. It, it's something that I don't know even how to describe. It sounds like a very wild adventure. And how long does it take, in, let's say, in your view, that guy spent to, to build that small game or, say, that game? A year, two years? Oh, years. It takes so many years. Uh, to work in a game by yourself is just a long time yeah yeah and, and like even working games in a big studios it takes like two years to develop a game two years well and, and in your experience how do you manage like testing the video game because like i know that you are you are developing the gameplay but like 
do you have to test it yourself or do you have a specialized? Yes. Tool? I mean, the changes you do, you have to test it. So every time I change something in a game, I need to make sure nothing breaks. I need to make sure everything around it works the same. Uh, so there's a lot of testing in my day-to-day -day work. Uh, game companies do have a dedicated QA team that okay. makes sure the game works before it's actually shipped. So once you reach a certain phase in development, the QA team comes in and tests everything you couldn't have thought of. Like uh, all the player conditions that you didn't even imagine, like they'll go and test it and they'll like report all the bugs to you and like all these issues and like, uh, yes, there's a QA team involved for big kind of testing. But do you have like the traditional, how to call it, testing environments like the unit testing and those, let's say, IT things that can seem like silly in the video game sector? Because based on what you said that you're shooting or testing these, I see like very hard to to implement those traditional things. Uh, I haven't done any unit testing. Um, like you said, it's not so much like you're expecting a, a specific result. So it's really hard to implement unit testing. It's more like actually grabbing a controller and playing through the game. Oh, nice. So different. That sounds, sounds like a very fun kind of testing. <laughs> That's like the dream job, you know, being a game tester. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work too. Like you have to think of all these edge cases while you're testing or, you know, doing something like walking against the wall for a thousand times and see if you break through the wall, you know, like. Yeah, so you have some very wild scenarios as well. Yes. And what would you say that is the greatest challenge that you face as a video game developer? Ah, oh, that's a great question. Um, there's a lot of iteration in video game development like the game is always evolving so you might start with an idea and end with something completely different so learning how to accept changes that come into the game and kind of letting go of things it, it can be a challenge but it's always for the best because as you're working on the game you realize things didn't quite work as you thought they were going to be so knowing when is that moment where you kind of need to let go of things you were working on and focus on something new uh that is one of the greatest lessons you can learn from developing video games finding that point when you're like all right we gave this a shot uh it's not quite how we expected it let's try something else let's try something different or you know let's see how we can improve what we have Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something that let's say most of us could be afraid to accept change. But let's let's think. I'm wondering something because you have said multiple skills, like hard skills that are the coding part, and you have said this like soft skill about let's say team, let's say team working. But what are the soft skills that you think are very crucial to be a very good video game developer? Because generally we focus that the, in the hard parts, like you need to optimize code, you need to do these things, and you need to, I don't know, work with close to the metal, but sometimes the soft skills are required. I'm not sure how much in the video game sector, but sometimes they are useful. Oh, totally. Like 
communication, working with your teammates, absolutely necessary. Uh, I can't just go into work and like close my eyes and just do my job because there's there's so much great yeah. input coming from designers and from artists and from everyone in the team. So in communicating also, whenever I have an issue, communicating with my teammates, like immediately like, oh, I don't know how to do this or I can't do that. Uh, I say that's, what, that's some of the most valuable skills uh, that also look uh, when people come into the workplace, like people who know how to reach out to people and how to work with other disciplines. Mm -hmm. and, and I would like to kind of mix uh, Federico's question with the one that was mentioned before. You mentioned that with the, with the video game development, the game goes through a lot of iterations. And my question is, if you can use me normal methodologies such as agile, even for game development, because in these ones, you also need like a lot of communication skills and a lot of work with your team. Uh, you can, yes. Uh, is it efficient? Maybe it depends on each studio. Uh, which process they go through. Um, I know I have friends that are actually, you know, scrum masters in the yeah. games industry, uh, so it can be used. I feel like with video game development, you usually have deadlines to meet and milestones. So with a development process like Agile, you know, which is like based on sprints, it's kind of hard to set deadlines. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit, it might be a bit different for video game development, but then again, it depends. Each studio is run in a different way. So it's hard to tell how things work in general. Yeah. And um, let's say from the, the, this, the, let's say from the traditional things that you have seen in the software development area, what do you think that we have in common? Because I have seen a lot of things that are like completely different that is like, yeah, we are coders, but we are a different kind of coders, like a different species. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. It's been, it's very different from what I used to do uh, before I joined the games industry. Uh, I think that one of the similarities I do notice is uh, laying down the system architecture and mm -hmm. So when you are making a game engine from scratch, let's say, it's very similar to how you're setting up uh, the base of an app, for example, like setting up uh, how the app is going to be structured and the classes and the connections to database and all that stuff. It's kind of very similar to how you could design a game engine. So mm -hmm. with game engine, you have like how you develop your systems. If you store data in a database, how you handle those connections, uh, how systems are using components and stuff. Um, I'd say it's one of the biggest similarities I've found. So if there are many similarities, do you think that it is necessary to have a college degree or college education to actually become a game developer? You know, nowadays with pre-made game engines like Unity and Unreal, which you can just yeah. download for free and just use them for free, uh, it's so much easier to learn how to do video game development without having, you know, that 
very precise, low-level knowledge you need for, you know, doing video game development for like bigger companies. Like everyone can just grab Unity and get a course online and try doing video games on your own. Yeah. So I think that getting a college degree is not like a must-have to get into video game development. I am sure there's a lot of people out there that have actually made and published games without having a college degree. I will say that having a college degree will open many doors to you, especially in terms of immigration. Like if you want to apply a job in another country, uh, yeah. it it really becomes an obstacle not having a college degree. So in that sense, it can help you so much more. But to actually start being a video game developer, I don't think it's a necessity. Mm, but based on that, what you said, let's say there are that's how to how to formulate this question it's like there are two kind of video game developers the ones that as you said they are using the pre-made things like let's call it in in the software development area now we have something called low code i would say it's something like that that i give you like a tool and you build an app without knowing how to code and the others are the real coders the ones that are in the background designing the applications for example, if you would like to enter to Nintendo, do you think it will be easy to enter there just knowing Unity or Unreal, or you will need to know the math skills and the other things that you said that you learned in college? Because as you said, there are like two different kind of video games developers for me. Uh, you know, it depends on the job application. Uh, if you go look at like games, uh, jobs in games right now, a lot of them will just ask for experience in Unreal, experience in Unity, and maybe knowing some C-sharp uh, or some basic C++. Some other game companies will ask for advanced knowledge of C++ and advanced knowledge in graphics, for example. So it really depends on the job application. I would like to say that definitely knowing low-level programming like C++ is going to open a lot more doors for you. But don't limit yourself to that. Like, if you feel confident in using tools like Unity and Unreal, there yeah. are jobs for the like. Everyone is a, a real game developer. Uh, it doesn't matter how you develop, as long as you know you're actually making games and you're actually mm -hmm. making good games and trying yeah. new things and being creative. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that, as you said, like, it, it all depends on the job application. They might ask you for a different set of skills, and you may even get a job knowing only Unreal or Unity. And now, Christine, I would like to introduce a new topic, and this is something that is happening right now, the pandemics. How do you think that the pandemics has affected the video game sector? Oh, well, there's definitely been a boom in the video game sector. Um, you know, sales have been going up, you know, the PS5 sold out yeah. within minutes. People are oh, still, like, yeah. chasing, trying to get a PS5. The new Xbox also came out. Uh, you know, last year, um, when Animal Crossing came out, like, right at the beginning of the pandemic, Everyone is playing Animal Crossing. All my friends were getting Nintendo uh, consoles because everyone wanted to play. Because you're at home, you know, and like there was like a certain comfort on playing this video game that lets you feel like you're outside and tending to your garden and hanging out with friends. Yeah, I think video games became a good way for us to like cope with 
everything that was going on, like video games became like a safe space for us to like relax and feel like we are part of something and we're hanging out with friends, even if it's just virtually. Uh, and, you know, we can see that like how people flocked towards video games during the pandemic. People that I know that have never played video games before were suddenly playing video games. Wow. Because that was like a great way to connect with friends and like, consume new media and become you know just kind of have like a little break of the everyday world so it it has been interesting also like all this there was a big push also for vr a lot of people got into vr and like getting into simulations and you know with the oculus you can use like google maps to go anywhere you want and just like walk in the streets and stuff so it it was interesting to see how much video games helped people um, to go through this. Did you also play more video games during this time? You know, like at the beginning, yes, I was playing a lot of Animal Crossing. And then (laughs) there is this game called Among Us that was Uh really popular online. And, you know, I used to play that a lot with my friends, Uh, just going online and like, just hanging out, we would play for like hours at night. Uh, there's other games, you know, like Jackbox Party Game that lets you like do like party games, but with your friends online, no matter where they are. Yeah. So I really focus on games that allow me to hang out with my friends more. Um, and then also, you know, just being at home, like having, you know, having nowhere to go, like just going into this fantasy world I, used to, I was playing a lot of god of war too you know yeah uh, it was great yes and do you think that after the pandemics in your industry you will stay more working from home or you will go back to the office because in some areas like my one it's like it seems that we will never come back to the office you know um i do hope i do hope we go back to the office there's a certain level of teamwork and communication that I feel doing it through video calls is not enough. Like there's been many times where I've had a problem and I just really miss just going to a desk over and being like, hey, can you help me with this? Come to my desk, look at my screen, help Mm -hmm. me figure out what's wrong. Uh, Or, you know, having like team meetings and making decisions. Um, Online conversation doesn't flow as well because you're just kind of like an audience to someone who's speaking. Whereas yeah. when you're all in a room together, the level of interaction is completely different where you're like drawing and like communicating or someone is talking and then you're talking to the person next to you. Um, so I really hope we do go back to the office. Um, <laughs> I would like to have the option to work from home sometimes. Like that's kind of nice. Yeah. But I... Personally, I thrive more in a office environment. So I think that maybe a lot of studios feel that way too. Um, there are already studios that are like fully remote, however, uh, and they make it work, mm. which is great. Um, but I think the industry as a whole will probably still work in, a, in an office environment. Yeah, I also agree with that. Like, you know, Christina, I was in home office like for probably four months and then I suddenly went one day to the office I was finally allowed to go but that day was like more productive than the past four months (laughs) oh my gosh I believe that (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
And now, Christina, I, I'm going to enter now uh, with some, let's say, how to say it, some ethical discussion about this. So you mentioned that the video games, at least for instance, uh, in this case of the pandemics, help us to socialize, to kind of cope with the situation and to have a safe space where we can gather with other people, even from our homes. But do you see any negative sides in video games? You know, um, I think video game developers need to take some responsibility on the narrative that video games portray. Uh, you know, there's been a discussion in the game in the game developer circles lately about how video games portray other cultures, for example, you know, um, there's a lot of video games that don't have like diverse diversity in their teams. So when they okay. touch the culture about how to represent uh, other cultures, and so um, there is no input from the things they're trying to represent. So, you know, you as an audience, when you play this video game, you are consuming this media and a lot of people just kind of like, that's the narrative they get. And it might be not so much of an accurate narrative. So I think there is something that the games industry needs to take responsibility and mm -hmm. focus on it actually matters the content you put out and how your audience perceives that content and what you're teaching to your audience, for example. Um, not so much of a downside, it's just something that we can do better and I strive to do better. I agree that sometimes those difficult challenges happen and we need to just become better and learn from the lessons. Now I'm wondering something because you already said that, well, building video games is way harder than we can even imagine. But I'm wondering about the one thing because previously we had a discussion with, an, let's say, another interviewee who told us about that he wants to have more people developing algorithms that are new algorithms because all the things are too old that the ones that we're using. In your case, do you have like completely different algorithms that you use in the video game sector that are not like the ones that we use? Because that interview is really crazy that he would like to know about those things. Um, you know, with video games, how you try to optimize, you know, code and runtime. Uh, for example, it's when you do actual artificial intelligence development, versus video game artificial intelligence. Uh, I would say that video game AI is like baby AI algorithms where, you know, you try to cut corners, you try to, you don't really strive to make like real AI. You just want it to make and look and kind of feel real, but it's not really. So okay. I think that is something that, you know, both sides can like collaborate and benefit from. Like, I think uh, AI can uh, learn a lot from how like video game AI is developed. Um, and same with like video games can learn a lot from like how, you know, behavioral AI or um, 
how you're like training algorithms and stuff. Uh, I don't think video games has like any like specific algorithms. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, something with how with uh, video game development, you learn a lot about how to work with the GPU, for example. That's something yeah. that has become uh, very popular with crypto mining, for example, mm-hmm. like how to optimize memory and how to efficiently run algorithms for crypto mining and using the GPU buffer for that. Uh, I thought that was like really interesting how that's something very similar to what we do in video games, for example. So yeah. there's um, just bits of knowledge everywhere in the games industry, I guess. And also like from the games industry, you can learn from all the other industries. I think uh, when it comes to software development, everyone can benefit from like sharing our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> and how you consider to build your own, let's say, algorithms from the crypto industry? Optimizing oh, the CPUs. No. <laughs> I haven't even like dabbled into any of that. That's like some next level mathematics for me. <laughs> I'm busy enough as I am. <laughs> busy enough managing memory already. <laughs> yeah. So, Christina, now I have a question, and this is something that our audience may benefit as well. Let's say that I am a developer, but I have zero experience with the game world with the game development world. I have no idea about everything we, should, we have mentioned, the memory management, the GPU, the graphics, nothing. What would be your advice for new developers like me to get started to become a game developer? Download Unity, go through their tutorials. Mm-hmm. That's like the easiest way to start. Like as a beginner, you don't have to worry about memory or graphics or any of that. Uh, if you want to just get into video game development, just download Unity, go to their tutorial and just try to have fun. If you have an idea, like just start with something. If you don't have an idea, you know, just like make a little ball bounce. That could be, you know, <laughs> enough to start. And then like, once you have a ball bouncing, maybe just, make it move left and right, learn how to use controllers and things like that. But definitely, if you want to get started, like literally just download Unity and start. It seems like a fair recommendation. And now I would like that we focus on the future. And maybe let's start with a recent future. What titles are you most excited for this 2021? The ones that you want to play or invite your friends <laughs> to play? Oh my gosh. Uh... You know, I I haven't really like paid attention to like which game which games are coming out soon. Um, you know, some games I, I was excited for some games that already came out, like Miles Morales, uh, Spider Man for the PS Five, um, Cyberpunk uh, oh, that yeah. also just came out. Um, I haven't like really kept an eye on what's coming up in the market, but I am sure like there's plenty of things I'm excited. I'll be excited for. <laughs> yes, as a hardcore gamer as you are, then definitely you're gonna try them out. <laughs> yes. And now, uh, let's talk about also also about the future, but a specific technology, augmented reality. We already saw it a couple of years ago with Pokemon Go which became like a boom immediately. Do you think that there will be more games which will, which will take advantage of this technology? Um, 
Do you know, it'd be interesting to see like what new ideas come up with the AR. Like there's already been like other games that have applied this. For example, Magic the Gathering. I remember a few years ago, they were applying this AR into how to like bring the card, the trading card game into the screen and like how to bring the cards to life with AR. Uh, it'll be interesting to see like what other companies can come out with like new ideas of bringing like the real world into the game world. Um, I'll be excited to see things come up. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, let's say, do you have any guess if soon we're going to use some kind of glasses to play video games? Like any idea? Because in the 90s, Nintendo had like uh, something like that, but it didn't work so well. Well, there's already a lot of VR development, you know, there's the Oculus Rift, there used to be like the Vive from HTC. Uh, So there's already like that full immersion um, trend going on in video games. And uh, I think VR is becoming a bigger market to the point where I think it's creating its own niche next to like console gaming and PC gaming. there's been a lot more development in games for VR along with other applications. So yes, definitely. I, I can see a future where VR and AR combine together um, and come up with new ideas. Like the industry is so creative. I'm sure there's someone already working on something like that, you know, and whether how the audience receives something like that, uh, who knows? But I'll be interested to see more things to come up. Exactly. We'll be also excited to look for the new titles and for the new development in the technologies that this will bring us, especially in the in the matter of VR. This will be like something very interesting to see in the following years. So, Christina, I would like to thank you very much for your time and for the for having the courage to come to our show and speak with us. Do you have any final thoughts for our audience? Uh, if you want to get into video game development, there's plenty of sources out there. Don't be scared. Uh, if you if it's something you really feel passionate about, it definitely uh, look up resources, look up schools. There's plenty of schools all over the world nowadays. Um, in, you don't even need to go to school. Like you just need to try things on your own, uh, experiment, reach out, talk to studios. Uh, there's a lot of talk about video game development online, and you can just look up on YouTube. The resources are out there, so don't be afraid. Don't limit yourself. Um, go for it and have fun. Yes. So we definitely need more people like you, Christina, who have the courage to actually go for their dreams, to fight, and not to resign when they look that it is a little bit too hard. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, nowadays, the resources are there. And as you mentioned, just go to Unity, download the game engine, and start going through their tutorials. This was Cyber Profits in another new episode, and we'll be seeing you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.